Welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we've got another preseason edition of The Deciding Point where we break down our top 10 Division I men's and women's college tennis teams heading into the 2024 season. Of course, at this point, we're a week away from our first match of the new year and As always, I speak for all of us. It's time. Let's roll the balls out. Let's play some tennis. Let's see what all these different lineups look like in the new year. Of course, before we get to those first matches, though, we still have three teams left to discuss in our preseason polls. It's time for teams that certainly we see in the inner circle of the national championship race this season. And on tonight's show, we're breaking down a team that is the definition of blue blood in modern college tennis, a team that reached the NCAA team final once again last season, and a team that has done everything that can be accomplished in college tennis but capture an NCAA team title. Of course, I'm referring to our number three Ohio State Buckeyes, who once again this year, they've got all the talent, all the pieces, all the experience to compete for that elusive national title crown. The question is, is this the season they get the job done? Joining me to help answer that question, as always, is a man you all know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions. Never far from the listed UTR. I'm almost afraid to say that last line on this podcast, but I'm a man of gumption. I'm a man of strong will, so I'll still say it. He's a lean, mean Michigan Wolverine, even on a show like today. It's our dear friend, Chris Halioris. Chris, Hey, great shot. I want to clarify for our listeners, why do I say that? Because Michigan assistant coach Trevor Fauché is Chris Halioris' nephew. I feel like on this episode specifically, I have to clarify for that uh, fact. But Chris Halioris, nevertheless, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. Can you taste that college tennis in the air? Oh, I I can taste it, Gruskin. I can taste it. You know, just, just for the record, I've gone to every time you go into the, the long note, in the welcome to, I do an air drum roll, and on the longer ones, my biceps and triceps get a little worn down. I'm not. I have to admit it. Well, that's because you're getting old, my friend. It's our fourth year. Yeah, there's like, no doubt. Yeah, but that's good. I'm glad you can get a workout in as we're getting ready for this show again. I always say this is one of my favorite preview podcasts we do every year because you know the Buckeyes are going to be a preseason top five team. You know the Buckeyes are going to have the talent, and it's always fascinating to debate who fits where in the lineup. What are these spectacular new pieces Coach Tucker, Coach Kronagi are bringing into the team? It's just, look, again, they're the definition of blue blood in modern college tennis. If there is a big event, you know the Ohio State men are going to be participating in it. And more than that, you know they're going to be in those final stages competing for the title as well. Of course, on tonight's show, we want to explain why we expect the 2024 iteration of the Buckeyes to be no different. We want to break down how they performed in 2023, talk about the roster they bring back, not just the returners, but of course, the new New additions as well, just adding insult to injury, perhaps, for these Buckeye opponents. And then 
We'll break down the summer. We'll break down the fall. We'll talk about who fits where in the lineup, who's the MVP, what the schedule, ceiling, and floor looks like. Look, it's our eighth preseason episode here. If you don't know the deal by now, you haven't been paying attention, of course. If you missed out on anything because you were busy during the holiday season, rest assured, all you got to do is scroll down on your Great Shot podcast feed. You can find our previews of teams 10 through 4 in our preseason poll in both the men's and women's side of things. A shout out as always to John J. Parsons, who's joined us on all of our women's top 10 preview podcasts as well. But again, the focus today, one of my favorite podcasts we do every year, a program I have been so fortunate to get to know so closely during my time at Cracked Rackets. The focus of today is the number three. Ohio State Buckeyes. And before we get into recapping 2023, Chris, I want to start this show much like I did the TCU show, only it's on a completely different note. TCU, when I offered you our opening tangent, is it a clear-cut top four? It was under the premise that I was a little less certain about that TCU roster. That sure, we knew who the top four were, but again, there are some veterans who will make the jump into the lineup to the five and six spot. And the question is, had they earned that benefit of the doubt to make it an unequivocal top four? Well, on this show, I want to go a different direction. I think there's been some serious disrespect thrown the way of Ohio State, a team that, again, is coming off of another NCAA final during the 2023 season, a team that last year won another remarkable 34-3 and year, just a casual 92% win percentage under head coach Ty Tucker, something they seem to fire out year in, year out. For some reason... I feel as though the college tennis intelligentsia is not holding this team on the same tier as a Virginia, on the same tier as a Texas. And for the life of me, I cannot understand why. Because no matter how that doubles lineup shakes out, one, it's a Ty Tucker doubles roster. You know they're going to be damn good once that regular season starts. Two, they've got at least 24 years of experience potentially in that doubles lineup Adding, again, further insult to injury. Three, they can roll the balls out, play pretty much the exact same lineup as last season. Yes, they lose James Trotter, but Robert Cash has lost one indoor match over the last two seasons. He's a fifth year, and you feel like the highest he might play is six singles. Of course, that excludes a Bryce Nakashima. That excludes a Preston Stearns, who I know they expect to contribute even more here in year number two for him in Columbus. Like... When I look at this roster, when I look at the experience, when I look at the summers and falls all these guys had, they should like you should never say in a national championship conversation Virginia, Texas, period. Like you always need to say Ohio State. They are as inner circle as inner circle gets, Chris. And maybe I'm just projecting something here, but I just feel like People aren't including them in that inner, inner, inner circle as they should be. Any other year, this is the unequivocal preseason number one. Like, the Buckeyes are good this season. They have everything. I wouldn't say the unequivocal number one, but I'll tell you what. You're not wrong in from the disrespect standpoint with what Texas did in the offseason. On paper, from an individual standpoint— They are the unequivocal number one. And Virginia sits down at like three, four, five below Ohio State, no doubt. It's just that when you've done what you've done for the last two years, 
how do you disrespect a team that's done that? Okay. So I think there's two factors at play. One is, yeah, Texas is there. Virginia's got back to back. So you have to give them the respect. And two, you mentioned it when you talked about Robbie Cash. It's the indoors thing. At some point, they've got to they've got to do it outdoors. But you're not wrong. I mean, this this roster, last year's roster. Look, you and I both sat there behind the scenes, going, "How the f is this team not going to win the national championship?" And you know, they got to that final match, but that was it. They were stacked, and they're stacked again this year. And bring in more guys. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, there we had questions. We talked you know, in the last pod about TCU. And we said, yeah, eh, questions at six and they're only six deep. There are absolutely zero questions about this Ohio State lineup. And there are zero questions about the depth. They are on the same tier as obviously the other two teams we're going to talk about in Texas and Virginia in some order. There's no doubt. And you can't, you can't dismiss that. Yeah, look, I don't know if we're going to actually stick to the format here on this podcast because I could debate their lineup for an hour. I could debate their lineup for a day. (laughs) I could debate their lineup for a season. And I've joked around like I want to do five minutes on the Ohio State lineup at every deciding point we do this year where it's like this week. It's like, hey. Are we sure Anthrop shouldn't be one? Like, are we sure it shouldn't be Bernie at one outdoors? Like, I want to do that because it could be so fun. I I think this is the first year in a long time that Coach Tucker – is actually legitimately having that debate internally. Like many times he rolls out, we all know he'll roll out the whatever. And even though he has no plans on playing somebody and pulls them this year, he could legit play any number of guys at any position in the lineup. And you couldn't even challenge it. No, even better. Like, because this is, and he would do this in the best sense possible. He could say, Hey, coach Goffey, here's my lineup card. I'm playing these six. You match up however you see fit. I feel <laughs> fine. No matter. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to make these choices. You all get mad yeah. at me for my lineup choices. Fine. You choose my lineup for me. You Here's the six guys I want to play. Yeah. Play. It's like, you yeah. want to play Tracy at one today? Cause he's four in the country. Fine. Play Tracy at one. We'll roll the balls out that way. You want to like, you want to play Boulay at five because you think that's the case. Joke's on you. He's going to smoke them. Like, I just, I was talking to my little brother who uh, we've had this conversation a lot. And he's like, at the end of last season, and this is not meant to be criticism. I guess this is how we can get into the 2023 recap. This is meant to be the highest of compliments. If you wanted to make a full platoon shift at the end of last season in the NCAs and play Trotter 1, Bernard 2, Anthrop 3, then go Boulay 4, Kingsley 5, Tracy 6, I would knock you. Like, I would not have protested that lineup with how well Bernie and Anthrop were playing in Florida. Like, that's how real that success was last season. And yeah, I know they lose Trotter off of last year's roster, but like, what, just to fit, put the final bow on this top three conversation, you could argue the Buckeyes have the best of both Virginia and Texas in the sense that Virginia gets that benefit of the doubt because they have experience. Again, there's a world in the doubles lineup this year. Five years of experience from Boulay. Five years of experience from Cash. That's 10. Five years of experience from Kingsley. That's 15. Five years of experience from Luchonic, who's the defending NCAA doubles champion. That's 20. Four years of experience from J.J. Tracy. That's 24 seasons of experience, Chris. And they still have another player to fill in. And by the way, if that guy is Bryce 
Nakashima, who won multiple Futures titles over the summer in doubles. I don't care that it's year number one for him in a Ty Tucker doubles lineup or in a college tennis lineup. Like, just right off the bat, they have the experience of a Virginia team. All these guys have played in a national championship match. And then you want the... The highlight results on the pro tour like Texas has had, okay. Anthrop was making pro finals, winning pro doubles titles. Tracy, pro doubles ti- uh, pro singles title this past summer. Kingsley, challenger final in singles this past summer. Like, Luchonic's the reigning NCAA doubles champion. Do I need to say that again? Like, Robert Cash has lost maybe four doubles matches in his life, and three of them were while he was playing with a torn ACL. So, like... What are we doing here? How the f*** is this team number three? This gets back to the argument of like, and I know I don't want to throw these unjust expectations on them, and I know I can already hear people being like, oh, there's Gruskin, the Wolverine, blah, 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 trying to do this thing to the bu-. Like, no, this is an objective read on this roster. I swear to God, Chris, let's go through time. Like, if they played 2021 Florida, it would be a real conversation, like going through all the bullet points. Like, do you take Volley or do you take Kingsley? I probably lean Kingsley. Do you take Boulay or Riffis? Like, probably lean Riffis, but it's a toss-up. Do you take Andrade or Tracy? I'm taking Tracy. Do you take Bernie or Bicknell? That's a fascinating matchup. Do you take Anthrop or Freshman Ben? That's a fascinating matchup. Maybe you lean Goodger at six, but you're 100% leaning Buckeyes in doubles. Like, it's real matchups all the way around. Now, again, we saw Virginia beat this specific Ohio State team last year, but play that match 100 times. Who, know if the, who knows if the result ends up a little bit different, like against Wake Forest in 2018. This team's deeper than that team. I'd pick them over 2019 Texas. I'd even like to see this team play the 15 through 17 Virginia teams. I'd like to see this team play the gold standard of my lifetime, which is 2012 USC. Like, Again, Sarmiento versus Boulay. It depends which Ray we get. It depends which Justin we get. Like, D-Win versus Tracy. I would like to see that matchup. Maybe, you know, again, depending on the day, depending on the conditions, whatever it may be. But, like, Hanf- or excuse me, Gomez versus Bernie? In. Anthrop versus Hanfman? In. Cash versus Kiroz? In. Like, Come on! I'm telling you, any other season in the past decade, this team is number one. And I guess what I'm asking is, am I overreacting here, Chris? Because you look back at that 2023. Again, this is a team that went 34-3 and that, by the way, did not lose to Michigan once last season. And that took some serious gumption because... The amount of trash talk. Like, you want to see tennis trash talk? Watch those two teams play last season. Watch Maloney cross by Kingsley's court. And by the way, those are two lifelong friends. So it's not like your father's trash talk. It was all in the best sense of the word. Or watch these guys just, like, and they beat them all three times. This is a team that, even after losing to South Carolina in an outdoor match in March, that really had us all scratching our head. Uh Uh-oh, is this the year? You know, is this another Buckeyes aren't going to do it because it's outdoor tennis? No, what do they do? They come out and they make the NCAA final. They beat, in my opinion, the prohibitive favorite in TCU in the semifinals. Really fun 4-3 match against Georgia, which was a gut check that saw their freshman, you know, help carry them over the finish line and that continued progress. I mean, again, I guess somewhere in here, I want to ask you overperformance, underperformance, just right as it relates to 2023. But like, here are my poker chips, Chris. I'm all in. 
Like, how could if I just think there's a world where this is the team and like somehow we're overlooking them, and I just don't understand. Well, I mean, I'm not overlooking them. Yeah. I, the the problem is, look, with what Texas has got, they have to be up in that top two conversation. And and Virginia, I'll be the first to admit, on paper, for not only singles, just look at the six singles guys in the lineup. I will take if we're playing a futures event, I'm going to take the Ohio State six over the Virginia six. Sure. It's okay now. Add to that that I don't think you're going to get any debate from anybody in the know that the Ohio State doubles teams are going to be better. You know, the, if we play Ohio State doubles versus Virginia doubles or even Texas doubles a hundred times, Ohio State wins far more than fifty of those points. Okay? okay, it's there's no question asked. It's that's going to happen. So, uh, yeah, they're they are there. Yes, it's now it's a matter of of kind of, you know, back into what were we thinking when we ranked them? And and I'll be honest, I'm just flat out giving Virginia the benefit of the doubt, even though I think on paper they are a little undermanned compared to the these other two teams, if you will. Uh, But look, they they turn it on when they need to and they become a different team and they played doubles in the NCAA tournament and at the final site, like we didn't see them play doubles and they played single. I mean, everything about them, but on paper, absolutely. And I, I think that's the scariest part of this to me is, is the Ohio state doubles pairings. You talked about adding Nakashima, who's got a couple doubles futures titles. These, you know, and you got Robbie Cash, you could throw out there with me and probably beat most teams in, <laughs> yeah, in, in the honestly in, in the ITA D1 realm. Uh, I mean, it's it's ridiculous how good their doubles could possibly be. You're you know, probably rolling out Kingsley Tracy again as a pair. Look, they, they're going to be just ridiculously good. And oh, by the way, you know. Michigan's not got the roster they had last year. The Big Ten maybe not quite there. They probably roll through. And now now we start talking about, well, what do they have non-conference? You talked about three losses last year. We're probably talking the same thing at worst this year for this team. They are going to be, you know, there's zero question. They're going to be a top eight seed. They're going to the final site. And it's just, you know, are they the number one, the number two, the number three? Where are they in that mix? And it doesn't really matter once you get to the final site other than just who the luck of the draw puts you up against. But they're good. I mean, they're there as much as anybody else. And they and I will absolutely give them just as good a shot at winning the whole thing as any of these others. I made the point multiple times last year that, yes, us, along with many other folks, have been fairly critical over the years of, hey, yeah, they're the indoor guys. Let's wait and see what they do outdoors. But I made the point last year, and they made it to the finals, that they've added guys like Alex Bernard, like Jack Anthrop, guys that played in Florida, played outdoors, are not indoor specialists, and we're going to add another dimension to that team. Those guys were freshmen last year. They're going to, you know, they've got a year under them. I fully expect them, you know, I I don't think that's that's not something that's going to be something to hide behind this year. They should be expecting to be competing for the national championship outdoors. 
Absolutely. Well, that's what they expect every year. And again, as we recap 2023, it's just worth noting Ty Tucker took over the head coaching job in 2000. He is now 685, Chris, and 101. 685 and 101 in his career. That's over an 87% winning percentage. And again, it took him 23 years to lose 100 matches. That's nuts. Like, that is so good. And, you know, people don't talk enough about that record. That is absolutely crazy. And, you know, again, by the way, he has finished at least tied for first or better in the Big Ten regular season in every year since 2006. Now, they did have a little bit of a gap in Big Ten championship victories, but guess what? This group ended the streak. They won their first Big Ten tournament since 2019 last season. This group, again, a group has seen it all together. They were part of that shaky, shaky 2021 NCAA campaign that saw them lose a horrible match in the round of 16 to TCU. 2022, they make the semifinals. Last year, they make the NCAA finals. So again, this group, this nucleus, this core, Tracy, Kingsley, Boulay, Cash, and Luchanic. I don't want to exclude him from that because he's NCAA doubles champion. Also, one of the nicest human beings, the Luch- Andrew Luchanic, Andrew Luchanic's family. I consider them family. Like If I see the Luchanic parents... All due respect to other parents I see in that moment, Mr. Luchonic's getting the first hug. Like, that's just my guy. Love him to death. Love Andrew. Great family. Again, they have taken a step forward in every season that they've played. They've added their win count over these last three years. And yet, it's just like, it is worth noting. I said it about TCU. I'll say it about them last uh, last season as well. This team had the goods to win a national championship. I mean, they were in a NCAA final. I'm sorry, I'm swearing a lot here, but this is a team that just I'm passionate about. Like, I hate that indoor versus outdoor narrative. All of my, I put all of my chutzpah, all of my energy over these last few years into manifesting a UNC women's title because I was just so angry that people tried to diminish what they had accomplished during this unprecedented like half decade to 10 year run of success. All of that energy is now being transferred into ending the Ohio State can't win the big one narrative because I just think that's so stupid and it just so falsely diminishes how good this program has been over 20 years now for Coach Tucker. And yet, like again, you could make the case that they underperformed because they didn't win a national championship last year. They really should have won that match 4-3. They lost at the indoors to Texas in the NCAA quarterfinal. They lose the doubles point to Virginia in the NCAA final. Again, you really don't want that to happen. Uh, if you're an Ohio State team, can't go down 1-0. Like, obviously, it's freaking Ohio. Like, you are Ohio State. You are the best doubles program we have, period. You've earned that benefit of the doubt on the men's side. So there's an argument for underperformance here, but why it feels just right is, again, I just think we're in the cycle, Chris. I just think, and my cousin now always makes fun of me whenever I say this, because last year when Michigan lost to Texas in the National Indoor Semifinal, I gave that quote of, you have to lose this match in February to win this in May. And now whenever my cousin loses something, or he's like, look, we lost this one now to win it later. He's always like, we lose this one in February to win it in May. He always makes fun of me with that line now, which is hilarious. But like, if it's the context of a story arc, I think last year's fine if this is the year it all comes together, right? But it's just like, this is the window. This is the team. I mean, again, 
Uh, this question is supposed to be about 2023. How do you feel as you look back at them last season? How do you feel about my passion thus far? Are you confused with what I'm throwing at you in this episode, Chris? I didn't expect to come out this hot. No, not not at all. I mean, look, I was, I had, I had picked, you know, crazy enough and all big, you know, from the get-go and all big 10 NCAA final in a Michigan, Ohio state final that I said, Michigan would win. Well, I got the wrong team to win. I got the right runner up. Uh, I knew this team was that good and they were going to go there. And, and I felt that like, that with the additions they made, they were well equipped for an Orlando outdoor run uh, with guys like Bernard and Anthrop in the lineup. And no, I don't think you're you're too passionate. The I think, you know, when we get down to the overperform, under, underperform just right argument, I'll say sort of the same thing that I said about TCU on that broadcast. And that is, there's no way you can say they underperform. They lost three matches. They make an NCAA final. That's not underperforming. Are the guys disappointed? A hundred percent. Like they all got to that final match and their expectation was we're beating Virginia. We're going to win the NCAA championship. So they're disappointed. The fans somewhat disappointed. You look back in the grand scheme of things and you say, look, we lose three matches. We make an NCAA final great season. I think they got, you know, that it's just right. It's just, you know, things happen on, in those, when you get, you get to a semifinal or beyond and it, you know, anything can happen. You just don't know. And you can't not, you can't call a team an underperformed team if they made it that far and then lost a match. You can say they are disappointed. Absolutely. Did they underperform? No chance. Uh, well said. And to me, the only area of underperformance is just a super uh, surface level, superficial, like they should have made it further than the National Indoor Quarterfinals, superficially, but it was a 4-3 loss to Texas. Like, go actually watch that match and see what happens. And again, who were the Buckeyes' losses to last season? 34-3 and overall. They lost to Texas, they lost to Virginia, and they lost their first outdoor match of the season to a South Carolina team that just straight up had played more outdoor tennis than they had to that point of the year. If you're saying underperformance, you're crazy because Alex Bernard made the NCAA quarterfinals. James Trotter... Didn't lose a dual match. Trotter and Luchonic won the NCAA doubles title. Like 2023 was the table setting year for my opinion. Like, don't make fun. If Brad Silverman, my cousin, if I hear from you, I'm going to be pissed that you're making fun of me for saying this. But you go through 2023 to have the massive 2024. Like, I just, I'm such a believer in this group, and I am so biased when it comes to this group. Because again, as you look at the returners, Cannon's my guy. Like, that's just one of my guys who I've been around now for five years. If I see him, his family, like, it's going to be an immediate hello as well. You're not going to find a nicer human in the world than Cannon. And I've just, I've said it before, I'll say it again. 2021 Orlando, they lose to TCU in the round of 16. I get up the next morning to go to the workout room before I have to head to the site. Who beats me to the gym to lift weights, Chris? It's Cannon freaking Kingsley, who's in that weight room the very next day back on the grind, who his veins have veins. Like, it's unbelievable when you watch him. And I just, again, I know I'm getting the most out of him. He had a massive pro summer, a summer that saw him reach a career high, 413 in the rankings, a summer that saw him reach his first challenger. I thought it was final, not semifinal, but... I don't see that. Cha- I thought he made a challenger final in Lexington, Chris. Am I crazy? 
I know he made the semis in Columbus. Uh, I think it was semis in Lexington. Yeah, it might have been semis in Lexington. He lost to from the the French kid. Fair enough. But here's the point more broadly. Um, Like, he's back at the number one spot. I don't care that we haven't seen him play a single college match this fall. If you don't know what we're going to get from Cannon Kingsley, a guy who's got to be climbing up towards some Ohio State records, like, you know exactly what you're going to get from him. You know exactly what you're going to get from Justin Boulay, who probably would have won that most improved award for the Buckeyes last season. Boulay came up and played the number one spot, and it wasn't just like a a placeholder figurative thing. We've said it before. I'll say it again. His win over Jake Fernley is probably what propelled this team, that swing match to have them sweep TCU and get through to that NCAA final. Last year, he goes 15-10 and 10 in singles. But again, all those wins were at the number one and two spots. He also jumps up to that top double spots. He wins that lottery. Best One of the best quotes I got in the offseason, J.J. Tracy gets to play with Robert Cash, right? And I think they won All-Americans. And I asked Tracy after they reached the final, I go, so how did you win the lottery ticket that I get to be the guy who gets to play with Robert Cash? And in the funniest sense, Tracy just goes, look, I've been competing for that lottery ticket for three years. I've really wanted to play with Robert. I was like, that's, I was dying. I was like, that's so well put. He's like, look, I've wanted to win that lottery forever. And I was like, that's hilarious. But like, again, I don't know if I've ever seen J.J. Tracy lose before March in an Ohio State uniform, even in the fall. Like, he's constantly a guy who's putting together top 10, top 15 falls, and he's not going to be asked to play in the top two of this singles lineup. Like, or or he, he might not, like, the luxury is he might be at three, he might be at four. Like, take us back two years ago, Chris, 2021, we were talking about Tracy being the MVP of any lineup because him at four, you just felt like, was the surest of things. And two years later, he's still at that number four spot. It's just like, I know we've already talked about this. But you just know so much about these returners, Chris. And again, even before you get to blue chip Bryce Nakashima, even before you get to five-star recruits and Brandon uh, Carpico and Alex Fuchs and again, a Preston Stearns who comes back. That's a former blue chip recruit. Didn't get a lot of run last year. A guy who I know they're thinking can make a significant leap forward this season returners alone, they're seven, eight deep. I haven't said the name Andrew Luchonic in singles. Like, I'm not so sure he's not going to be playing six in the NCAA final, Chris. Like, maybe Ty's ready to roll him out on that day because he is hot, because he does have that experience. It's my favorite conversation. Like, returners alone, what's the order you're seeing, Chris? What's your vibe with this group as we head into the season? I think Kingsley's probably earned that top dog status, but I imagine it'll be Himboule in that one-two spot, like Tracy and probably Bernie in that three-four somewhere spot. Anthrop and pick a name: Cash, Lutzonig, like Stearns. We'll get to the freshman in a second. Ty's got f- choices. Is the point? Yeah, I think it all comes down once you get. To, I mean, you're spot on. I think in the one-two. I think we see Kingsley Boule one-two. And then he's got all kinds of choices. Honestly, Tracy ought to be playing, you know, three behind those guys. And you you say, 
you know, Bernie for honestly, and I think it, it, it comes down to what's tight, what's tight thinking. Does he play it by matchup? Does he play it for whatever whatever reason? A six day narrative pod of what is Ty Tucker thinking? Let the record show. There's nothing I'd enjoy doing more uh, than that podcast. He he could, he could decide to roll them out in the order. He thinks the guys are, he could decide to, to put them out based on who he's playing. He could decide on based on the form of the guys that week. I mean, anything, honestly, I think the guy with the bigger weapons to come in next is Anthrop. Look, like (laughs) my favorite guy in the lineup, probably of all of them, is Alex Bernard. Like, if you give me six Alex Bernards, I'll play them one through six, and I will play anybody with (laughs) six of him outdoors in a dogfight. You might like be the down kid. 01 in doubles, though, but still. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say I'd have to use him in doubles. But, <laughs> but look, I mean, he he isn't, he will never give up. I mean, what we saw out of him in Orlando was just amazing. Like, you know, prop, about to fall over and die and figuring out how to come back and win matches. And, I mean, that, and it, there's just no give in that kid. And I will take him any day of the week, but from a weapons perspective, I mean, golly, the Anthrop forehand. And I mean, how you don't get him up higher, I don't know. But again, these are all the decisions that are at the luxury of, of coach Tucker. And, you know, and like we do every year, we're sitting here talking about, well, where's Robbie cash play. Is he, you know, in the past years, it's been, is he in at six or is he not now? It might even be, uh, you know, is he in at five or six or is he not? He's got so many decisions with, as you mentioned, the addition of Bryce Nakashima, Preston Stearns. I mean, we didn't see a lot of Preston last year because he redshirted. Yeah. Um, so, you know, are we going to get to see any of him? But Nakashima is really the freshman that I think if we're going to see a freshman in this lineup, and we will absolutely on occasion, the question is how regularly it's going to be Nakashima. Uh, at how much? That That's a big question. James Trotter last year went 29 and 1 in singles. He went 22 and 8 in doubles. He was a singles and doubles All-American. He was the NCAA doubles champion. He's the only piece they lost. And you're like, "Yeah, but who cares?" Like, exactly. that's the I'm craziest like, yeah, I don't even part. Think I miss him. <laughs> no, that's I mean, exactly. Like, that's the crazy part about this roster with the returners they bring back. And again, uh, to quote my little brother, by the end of last season, you could have played any or like you felt like four, five, six in Florida might have beaten their one, two, and three to your point of how good Bernie was. How good. And we're calling him Bernie, by the way. I know I don't think I've ever spoken a word to Alex Bernard, and I probably haven't earned that right to call him Bernie the way I feel like I could call Cannon or Luchonic their nicknames, and they would just text me and maybe a middle finger. But like, look. I was feeling the burn by the end. We were all feeling the burn when he reaches his way to the NCAA quarterfinal. I like to mean again to get back to my cousin and brother. Like they were just like they were ready to run the campaign of hashtag play burn at one. Like they were feeling the burn more than anyone. And you're just like, yeah, that was his red like not red shirt. He didn't do the classic, you know, Ty Tucker. We're gonna red shirt the boys. I'm gonna get them into the system. I'm gonna get them into the weight room. I'm gonna wait till I have my full first summer with them, and then I'm gonna unleash them on the opponents. They didn't do that with Bernie. And, you know, again, it was a little shaky, certainly in the indoor portion of the season, but once we got to Florida, it just all fell into place. And again, 
if you've got some fuzz in your eye or you're not watching with even if you are watching immensely closely you'll watch Anthrop hit that serve hit that forehand combination and you will say to yourself is that JJ Wolf like who is that out there playing at that number six spot for the Buckeyes last season? A guy who, again, as we look at the summers, the falls, all these guys were having. I mean, again, they didn't have Kingsley throughout the course of the fall. They didn't have Boulay, but don't worry. Again, Cannon reached a new career high. He's top 450 in the world, and he's out in Oyeris right now playing challenger qualities, or at least was this first week of the season. Uh, obviously, you've got a guy in Justin Boulay, 628 in the world, but he cracked the top 500 over the course of the fall. He won a futures title, 25K in Edmond. Uh, that saw him beat Liam Draxel. That saw him beat Aziz Dugas, play all these really good players tight. Um you know, again, but by the way, over the summer in the Columbus Challenger, who did Boulay lose round uh, round one of Columbus Challenger to? He lost to a guy by the name of James Tracy. Uh, Chris, I don't know if you've heard of that Tracy kid, but I hear that Tracy cat is pretty good. And according to the NCAA rankings, he's the best Buckeye on the roster. His 10-2 fall, he's ranked fourth in the NCAA rankings right now. Again, he could be playing four singles in his lineup justifiably. He's fourth. Jack Anthrop, probably going to be playing five singles. He was 12-3 and three in the fall. He's 11th in the ITA rankings. Bernie's at 103. Again, those are your three ranked Buckeyes, but again, no Kingsley, no Boulay in the fall. I mean, like, you look at the doubles lineup, by the way, Cash Tracy, preseason number one, Bernie Tracy, preseason number 10, or fall number 10, Nakashima Cash, number 27, Anthrop and Stearns, number 53, they got options everywhere. You didn't hear that name. Andrew Luchonic, the reigning NCAA doubles champion, who's going to fit somewhere in the doubles lineup with his serve, his weapons, his energy. Like, you just have to find a spot for him. Returners alone, this is an unequivocal top three team. And again, we haven't even mentioned the new additions. And it starts with Bryce Nakashima. Yes, brother of Brandon. Heads to Ohio State. Boy, was he excellent on the Pro Tour this past fall. You look at what Nakashima was able to do in doubles in particular. What was it? I think three uh, ITF doubles titles over the course of the fall. Let me make sure I get this one correctly. Uh, you look for Bryce Nakashima, what he was able to do last year. He wins titles. Uh, Three of them, shout out to me. 25K, he won the lottery ticket, Chris. He got to play with Robert Cash. He wins the 25K in Columbus. 15K in Irvine, he wins with Lerner Tien. 15K in Rancho Santa Fe, he wins with Jack Anthrop. Now, again, that's just the double success. You look at what he was able to do in singles over the course of the past year. He goes 8-12 and 12 in his matches, but again, plenty of pro reps under his belt, and he's not going to be asked to play any higher than five in the lineup. I haven't even mentioned, again, the other two five-stars, Carpico and Fuchs, who just scream, you're going to get red-shirted because we don't, you know, you're a luxury this year that we can work to develop for the next season. They're injury-proof. Like, this team is deep, and they're deep everywhere, too. Like, they're more than any other team, Chris, and God forbid this happens. I cannot emphasize this enough. Fingers are crossed, balls are crossed, all the things are crossed that this does not happen, Chris. Wow, I thought that was going to get a laugh out of you. It didn't. This just proves maybe you're just uh, you're tuning me out at this point. Um, anyways, like they, more than any team, if Cannon, God forbid, got injured, 
you still have this team top three, right? Because even if everyone has to slide forward a spot, they can still win a national championship. Like that's how much depth I feel they have coming out of the summer, coming out of the fall. Am I crazy? Oh, not crazy at all. Look, I, I, I don't have all the teams in front of me with rosters, but you know, in, as we're getting to most of the teams now are what I'll call post COVID rosters where they sure. don't really have any guys left that have that fifth year. There might be, there are still a few of them lingering, but most of them uh, are, are post COVID rosters. Finding a team that has a, a 13 UTR at six almost automatically puts you in the top five. This team's got 13s at eight. Okay. <laughs> I mean, like it's it's re- so to your point, yeah. Cannon has to take a couple matches off. Not a problem. Look, Justin Boulay played one all of last year. He could fill in at one, and everybody else has no problem sliding up. And now we're playing whatever you pick: Lachanek, Nakashima, you know, Bernard, Cash. Who who's five and six? I don't care. It doesn't matter. They're all they're all there. It, they're they're just that. They are definitely that deep. And I think yeah, they go. I'll say. They're eight deep plus Preston Stearns that I just don't think we've seen enough of yet to know he could actually make them nine deep. Uh, I think that's probably as far to your, I, I agree with you, Fuchs, Carpico, absolutely Ty Tucker red shirts. Um, says, look guys, we, we're going to need you, you know, five years down the road when, when you're getting your last year in and we don't this year. So there's no point in wasting a year of eligibility now. Yeah, couldn't agree more. You know what, Chris? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go all the way. What's your Buckeye singles lineup? This is the first time I'm asking. It will not be the last. Give me your <laughs> Buckeye singles lineup. Well, okay. Look, I've got to play, especially with the season he had in the in the summer and 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 fall. Absolutely, number one this year has to be Cannon. I you know I know we saw a lot of Justin Boulay at, at one last year. Kingsley's got to be playing one. Uh, I believe that we'll play Boulay at two. I now we get tricky. I still think you play Tracy at three, uh, even though you could make the case if you wanted to play him lower that you could. But I think you play Tracy at three. If I'm Ty, I probably play Bernie at four, Anthrop at five, and Robbie Cash at six. I just, I could make the argument to play Anthrop higher, but I mean, Bernie's just, a, he's a dog. He, even though he doesn't have the weapons Anthrop has, he's going to beat everybody he plays at four. And you let Anthrop feast on guys at five, like he did last year at six. Yeah, forget it. He's going to kill him. And, you know, and Robbie Cash, he's going to go all, you know, he's going to go the majority of the season without losing a match, no matter where you play him. Uh, and so, you, and you play him there. I think the bigger question for them is is indoors versus outdoors. And and to me, the other question is, do how much in the lineup I just gave, do Nakashima or Luchanik knock any of those guys out? You know, do we end up back in a discussion of, is it cash indoors and it's Nakashima outdoors or something along those lines? I think that's a very valid discussion. And probably something even the ties thinking that he's going to wait and see. Let's let's see how they how they're playing. And I'm just going to go with the guy that's in the best form. <sighs> I'm glad you asked me, Chris, for what I think the lineup is. I'm happy to give it to you. Let's hear it. Um, 
I really think, by the way, there would be no better. And I'm sorry, I'm counting right now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven F bombs thus far. I'm going to throw in an eighth here quickly. There would be no better f you from Ty to the rest of the world than, and this is the year we could finally implement it where he just goes straight up hey, here's the six guys I want to play. I don't want you getting mad at me. Pick your matchups. We're going to beat you anyways. Like, legitimately, I do think this team is this good. And by the way, I can already hear the amount of coaches I'm going to get to hop off the teat of this Ohio State roster. No! Like, this roster is ridiculous. I feel justified in every piece of hype I'm giving. I don't you, care if it comes back to bite. You know who would go with that? And I haven't even looked at their skin. They probably don't play this year. But you know who would go for it and it would be an awesome match if we Woodson. could get them to play? Woodson would do it. Well, no, I'm thinking Bresky. For sure. If you line up, wake wake in Ohio State, Tony would be like, what? We're just going to go. We're going to like, we're going to play bingo. We're going to put the balls in the, in the thing and spin them around and pull them out. Sure. Let's do it. I'm all, I'm game. hundred thousand (laughs) percent. Um, (laughs) cannons one. I want you to know that at various points of the summer, I've had Boulay as low as five. Like I've been like, well, did you see Tracy at the 25 K? Like, have you watched Jack Anthrop hit a forehand? And then- I mean, the sunglasses automatically elevate. <laughs> I love you, Justin. I do agree. Look, I have no problem with him wearing sunglasses. Can we get him a modern pair? Like, can we get him a pair of sunglasses that weren't also doubled as goggles underwater in 1996? I don't know. Like- they look like sort of aviator type. <laughs> If Chris Halioris is making a comment on your fashion, something needs to change. That's all I'm going to say. We'll leave that there. Um, Touche. Justin would be so much more intimidating if we can update those goggles. Like, I agree. Like, the specs are actually – because, like, his forehand's sick. Like, his ability to hit the slicer about wide is not in question. It's 100% the sunglasses. But, by the way, like, I'm not saying don't do what you got to do. I'm saying – Let's consult on a pair. Like, you know where I am. Like, we can figure this out, Jay. Like, come on. I think changing glasses like three times mid-match would so confuse the opponent, it's worth like three (laughs) or four points. Also, my brother, what about contacts? Like, let's try that, maybe. Uh, No, it's just obviously a shade thing. Anyways, that's hilarious. I literally have had him as low as five at times. Like... I don't know where to put him. He's the one to me that I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with any of them because you could talk me into Anthrop at two. Like that his serve, his forehand, his ability to assert himself with those weapons, he might have the biggest plus one game of the rest of the guys we're going to discuss. At the same time, like I just don't see a world where Justin's playing lower than two after what we saw last season. So I probably put him in at two at by default. I just don't know if Bernie's going to play four. Like, what if... Did you see him in Florida? <laughs> like, uh All right, indoor lineup, Kingsley one, Boulay two, Tracy three, Anthrop four, Bernie five. Again, this is indoors, Cash six. Outdoors, Kingsley one, Bernie two. That's right. You heard that correctly. Bernie two. <sighs> I'm going to do it. Are you ready for this, Chris? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. You're going like 
Anthra three, three <laughs> Tracy four, Boulet five. Zero chance. I know. That. And cash it. Uh, and cash or Sonic or Nakashiba or Stearns at six. Pick your name out of a hat. I, yeah, I, I like it, but yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> But why not? Like, did you watch? Bernie was a quarterfinalist last year. Like, he was. What about the Bernie at two? <sighs> yeah, again, the problem that yeah. the the I I think the biggest problem I have with it is that e- even Ty knows if I put him up at two, he could get out hit, yeah. and he's a freaking lock outdoors down low. Like, like why give up that point when I got a guaranteed point down low? And Justin's probably still going to win it, too. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, and, why take the chance? And by the way, for those of you fans listening to this and saying, oh, like, you better bring this same energy for Virginia and for Texas podcasts. Here comes the ninth F-bomb. Don't you f- worry. I'm going to bring this exact same energy to those podcasts. I feel just as good about those teams. The amount of time I, like, I'm just planting the flag. Like, this is the roster that... Are we going to do it, Chris? Let's do it. Let's just do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. You can talk about the nerves all you want. You can talk about how tight this team got in the final last year. And let's be objective here. They were the tighter team. Why did Virginia beat them? Because Virginia came out swinging freely. Because Virginia played like there was nothing to lose. And you could see that nervousness on the faces of everyone through that doubles point for the Buckeyes. And the moment they lost that doubles point, you could just kind of tell that match was over, that Virginia had the goods, that they had that ability to play loose in a way the Buckeyes were just not able to do last year. That was last year. And like, fool me once, shame on me. Fool me twice, shame on you. Or whatever the order of that goes. Shame on you, then shame on me. Like, I will get back to the theory. I'm sorry, Brad Silverman. You let that happen to you once. That's fine. I just don't see a world where this team comes out that tight again. Like, how could they? Because that's going to be the narrative, right? That's going to be the pushback is if this team was so good, there's 10. Why didn't they win the big one? If this team has all these pieces, Alex, why have they not? Why didn't they win the national indoors last year? Why didn't they? You know, again, all these things. I go back to my theory. You have to lose those matches before they you win them. Virginia is the exception these last two years. They're not the rule. They're the exception. That That's a credit to Andreas. It's a credit to all those guys. Chris, Inyaki, Jeffrey, Ryan, obviously the pieces they've had at five and six, et cetera, to find that ability to play loose. But this team knows what they're searching for. This team has played every scenario and just not been on the winning end of it in those national environments yet. Like, that, if you are betting against this team, Chris, the argument is that they're going to get tight. And I'm sorry, but, like, I'm a metrics guy. You're a metrics guy. Like, 
I can't quantify that argument. That is just one of those super, uh, superficial is the wrong word. That is a subjective argument. The only case against the Buckeyes this year is subjective or I guess Virginia or Texas centric. It has nothing to do with Ohio State's roster. I guess that's the crux of my argument here is that if you're going to knock the Buckeyes, you're going to claim that they get tight. You're going to claim that they get overworked. You're going to make all of these superficial claims that I guess are grounded in the fact that they have haven't won an NCAA title yet, but this program's won two national indoor championships. This program hasn't lost a Big Ten regular season since 2006, and I know Illinois, Michigan State are very good rosters this year, but Michigan State has to travel to Ohio State. We'll look at the Illinois side of things. Maybe that's another home-and-home this year. Let's see uh, Illinois on the roster. Uh, ILL, come on, show it to me. Uh, I don't see them on the roster right now. That's always a healthy thing. Good job by you, Alex. Um, It's because they don't have the full roster yet posted on the website. You just see their fall uh, schedule right now for Ohio State, but I imagine that there might be a doubleheader with Illinois. All they have is the kickoff weekend where, by the way, Vanderbilt's coming to town. That's a fascinating round number one matchup then they'd face the winner of they, Oregon. They, they do have home and home with illinois they, they play do. first yeah they're they're ohio state is is uh at illinois in march uh and then at the end of march they're at ohio state yeah so like they're gonna get to see them both i guess again the crux of it is any argument against the Buckeyes is not is subjective. It's not objective because I don't know what the objective argument is against them, Chris. Maybe you have one. No, I don't. I don't think there's any argument against them. I think this is you know this is a case where if you're going to make the argument that that they're not going to win, it's not because you're going to knock Ohio State. It's just because you're going to say I think a team like Texas or a team like Virginia or a team like TCU is going you know that someone's going to beat them. Because on that day they happen to be better. There, there, there are no knocks against this Ohio State roster. It's going to be, hey, we're going to go out there. And in my mind, I will be, frankly, I will be a little bit shocked if our top four are not the four semifinal teams because they're just that much better than the rest of the field at at this point. And if those aren't the four final four teams, I'll be a little shocked. And at that point, once you get to the final four. We don't know what those seedings are going to be, so we don't know who plays who first and and who's going to end up in the final. But yeah, any one of those teams could knock off any of the other. I just think that you're not knocking Ohio State to say, if if you're in the camp of they're not going to win, you're not knocking them. You're just saying, I think one of those other teams is just spectacular. And I'm going to be honest, and this is something we haven't talked about yet, I don't know why I wouldn't be honest. I'm going to lie to all of you listeners because I have, you know, again, 11 F-bombs deep. I've been very non-candid. How many for me? Yeah. You said one F. I heard, like, you said the letter F. I don't give an F (laughs) at some point or something, but you didn't drop a full F. Will you drop one real quick? You Groskin. <laughs> Westoff's going to look at this sheet. And he's going to be like, what happened? <laughs> this will be the reason you guys don't see this episode for three days. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's really funny. Um, what was I going to say before that? I honestly don't remember what I was going to say, but oh, yeah, here we go. You talk about that seating. Don't you feel like Ohio State is best positioned to be the number one seed of the top three groups come NCAs? Because you know the tie schedule is going to be there. And, like, 
this team should win indoors. There we go. There's another one. Like, they really just should because it's Ohio State, and they are going to have more indoor tennis than the rest of the bunch. And we, by the way, we've talked about other teams who on their schedule already have at trips to Columbus. I believe Tennessee's going there. I believe Virginia's going there. I believe South Carolina's going there as well. Like, Again, we're going to see this team make the national indoor finals. No, all due respect to Scotty B and the rising Vanderbilt program, I think even a year from now, let alone two, three years, if you were facing them first round of a national uh, of a kickoff weekend, that'd be a major problem. I think this year, again, Ohio State just too much depth, too much talent, and it's in Columbus where only two teams, Oklahoma and Virginia, have even you know have gotten a victory in the last twenty years or whatever it may be. I just feel like this team, and again, I think Illinois is going to be good. I don't think they're going to be ready to beat them in the regular season. Maybe, maybe, maybe Illinois or Michigan State, just because they will have already seen the Buckeyes already for the Illini, it would be a potential third match versus Illinois. Like, maybe, maybe they would beat them in a Big Ten championship, but that's like, you're doing some contortions there still in your mind, and I really like that Illinois roster. Um like, this team could run an undefeated regular season. Like, and this team, as always, could have 12 top 10 victories come that NCAA tournament and, like, just be the number one seed because Virginia decided, hey, we don't care about February. Like, we'll call us when the ACC season starts, and they don't really care what the seeds are. You look at a Texas team that they have TCU directly in their conference, and I believe there's a home-and-home there. I don't believe there. Definitely TCU and Texas have home-and-home matches, and they might play three times. And again, like, if Texas wins the national indoors, that's a different discussion uh, at that point. But I just, if I were to power rank who I think is most likely to take a, re- or least likely to take a regular season or loss, I would put Ohio State first, I would put Texas second, and then I would put Virginia third, Chris. And that alone, by virtue of not having to play those other two teams until the final, like having to only play one, being the number one seed is going to be so valuable. And I do think the Buckeyes maybe have the most direct path just because of how experienced they are and how that could pay and the urgency they have right away and how that could pay dividends at the national indoors. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's so unknown. I, I don't want to put too much stock in that. I, I, I do agree with your argument that based on, the teams they're going to play non-conference, the fact that they probably are not going to lose a conference match, that they have the best setup to be number one going into NCAAs. But who's going to be two, three, and four, and, and in what order if it's the four teams that we're talking about? A lot of that just comes down to you know, the, the rankings of, of the other teams and who they've beaten and where those rankings fall. So, so to, to some extent, it's a lot of luck. And, you know, I don't know whether, you know, right now, if I were to pick before the season even started, I'd say, sure, I want to be one and I probably want to draw TCU as a four and let two and three fight it out. Is that the way it's going to end up? Almost undoubtedly not. Right. (laughs) But, but that's where I'd like to be. I just think, You know, if you get yourself the only thing that really, really matters because you've got to beat three teams at the final site is that you're a top eight seed. You play the first three rounds at home. And then when you get to the final site, it doesn't matter if you're 
the four through eight or the or the five through eight or the one through four because there is no home court advantage. You're playing on a neutral side at Oklahoma State. So, you know, unless you're Oklahoma State and those guys are not making the top final eight this year, uh, that's it, it doesn't really matter. So I, I don't know that it's I put a whole lot of stock in it, but I, I do agree with the argument that they're very well suited to be the number one team, given the schedule they're going to have, the teams they have coming to Columbus. And we know, look, unless you're like a, you know, a really good young Virginia team, or you've got Alex Galea on your team, you're not beating uh, Ohio State in Columbus. Yeah. Again, when Virginia's freshman Rodesh, Von der Schulenberg, Montez went to Columbus and beat them in 2021. That's when you knew, holy crap, is this core special? Because no one does that, especially on a kickoff weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, again, we've gone through all the arguments, so I ask you, who's their MVP? Oh, my goodness. I didn't even give this thought before the show. Um, Do you want me to hear my answer and I'll let you think about it? Yeah, yeah, let's hear yours. All right. And this is going to be a crazy take. So I'm just, it's not actually that crazy. Their MVP is Torp. It's 100% Mikhail Torpegard because you know the intensity you're getting from Ty. We talk about a lot, you know, he's the headliner. Crow's a dog. Like, Crow is, Crow will cut your throat. Like, that man is intense. Like, he's got that in him as well where he can be a stone-cold killer. And I mean that in the best sense, by the way. Torp's like the, he's the Yang. Like, he might actually be the missing piece in the sense that just he's cooler than the other side of the pillow. Like, he is the calmest guy. He's seen it all. He's a f***ing winner. Like, again, another one of my guys from over the years. Like, it's just, even from a coaching standpoint now, this team's got everything. Like, all of the pieces. And I just wonder in year number two, if that cool, calm, collected nature of Torp just like kind of permeates through the rest of the roster as well to perfectly coexist with that intensity and that work ethic provided by the other coaches as well. And I just like I saw in the fall, it was Crow and it was Torp traveling to these events, not as frequently as Ty who wanted to go, you know, to the big national events. They wanted to give Torp those opportunities to be a little bit more hands on in the coaching I just think they need that extra dose because you know how tightly wound this team will be. You know how well practiced this team will be and how, again, all these different things. And I just think if they can embrace and adapt that cool, calm, collected nature of Torp, who lets all of his intensity out with his fine metal tunes that you can go here on Spotify, etc. cetera. Uh, again, the man can strum the hell out of a guitar. Am I crazy here? Is that a cop-out answer? Because, like, they're going to be good everywhere in the lineup. I guess the answer is probably Boulay. Like, if Boulay well, is even better than last season, then I don't know how you're finding four points against this team. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm going to go Torp. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. It's it's kind of a cop-out. But, you know, first of all, I'm not going to add to the Gruskin count, but F you Torp beating Nuno in the third set. I mean, <laughs> come on. Like, uh, yeah, but, but still I, yeah, I love Torp. Uh, I do think, and I was leaning that way the whole time. Uh, I'm glad you didn't completely steal my thought. I do think actually that probably that two spot for me, like I think Cannon's solid at one. They're so, so deep that four five, six should be ridiculous. 
and I think we do have a little bit of a question of, is it Boulay is at two? Is it somebody else at two? But whoever ends up filling in at that two spot, if that two spot puts up a really good record, they're almost unbeatable. I mean, it, it's going to be ridiculous. The other one is, I think, six. It's just like, who's going to grab six and say, this is my spot? Who's the sixth guy in that singles lineup? Because and, and is it going to be a rotation from the indoor-outdoor season? Exactly, because we have seen teams with all sorts of depth. I always point to that first Virginia team, the one that lost in 2014, that not only had Aragoni, but had Jordan Daigle, that had Harrison Richmond, that had almost too many, Justin Shane, Max Steislinger. Like, they had too many options, five and six, and they never settled on the right combination all season long. And, you know, again, you got to get these guys match tough, even if it means losing early on. Like, you just need to know who your six are. And the guys have that feeling of, okay, I'm the six. I don't need to worry. Am I playing today or not? I do think number six, like, whoever, if someone steps up and grabs that six spot, I'm sorry, rest of the world, and here we go, number 12, maybe 13. You're just f***ed. Like, you just are, because then there's just, like, there's no uncertainty anywhere in that lineup. And so I guess if I were to make a non-cop-out pick, it would be whoever plays number six. Like, someone needs to grab that spot, whomever that guy may be. That's maybe my biggest question, but, I mean, we can skip ceiling and floor. Because we know what the ceiling is for this team. Yeah, it's one and four. One yeah, and three. Exactly. <laughs> they're going to be a top eight seed. Like, I said it earlier. I think even if Kingsley were to get injured or, like, Kingsley wins a challenge still a next top week, three. That's what I'm saying. Like, this team is going to be a top eight seed. By the way, no one is going to be more angry hearing this podcast than Ty Tucker. It's going to be like, are you guys serious? Like, could you not just, like, talk my guys down a little bit? So, like, I don't need them getting these inflated egos. But it's like... I'm sorry, Ty. You are you recruited too well. It's your fault. The roster's elite. Like you did your job, Ty. I like shout out to you. You have been grinding on that recruiting tour, um, and just like this is the roster, convincing all the guys to come back. If this team doesn't win, I guess that's where we're gonna end this show, Chris. If this team doesn't win. It's just because some other team was once in a generationally good, right? It just means like Texas is as good as they look on paper or Virginia is like they just have that special elixir come May where just Von der Schulenberg, Rodesh and Montez, they just they find that extra gear. I said this earlier. I don't like I don't even know what my biggest question is. I guess my biggest it's not like they're not going to lose. Someone's going to go beat them. This is I said it before. I'll say it again. Ohio State is the standard of excellence in college tennis. If you find yourself an elite team, if you think you're a national champion, at some point you're going to have to go through the Buckeyes. Never has that been the case more so than this year, where it's just like if someone beats them, it means they're that they're they are the real deal, I guess. Like I don't if this team doesn't win, Chris, why? Like I just don't know the answer. No, and, you, I, and, and we do this for a living. You couldn't have said it any better. If this team doesn't win, it's not, I mean, yeah, sure. It's really hard for an entire team to the bed, if you will. I mean, like that just doesn't happen. Right. But like a, a guy or two could have an off day. But look, if this team doesn't win, it's simply because for the exact reasons you stated, Texas was just that much better or Virginia had the magic, you know, they turned it up in May. That that's it. Like, I mean, the other team was just simply better. There is no 
oh, it's because, and, and as you stated earlier, forget the whole indoor outdoor thing. This Ohio state team can play outdoors. Now they they're well equipped. It's not that if they get beat, it's because they just got beat on a given day by a team that just had their number on that day. And that's all there is to it. And they're, I mean, they are, they are definitely equipped to win a national title as much as they ever have been. I couldn't agree with you more, and I think that's the perfect place to end it. By the way, 15 F-bombs. That's the magic number. I think that's a record. 15. I know. Hey, I threw in an S-bomb. Yeah, I, I made the mark. Don't worry. Uh, yeah, but, like, Westhoff's going to see that and be like, oh, that's soft. Um, yeah, that S-bomb stands for a soft swear. Nothing special there. I mean, look, like, I'm just trying to think of what the review is going to be and what we might have missed in this podcast, but I'm sorry. Like, this is the perfect roster experience, talent. You said it. We can't play outside. We're all indoor guys. So Ty said, all right, I'm going to go get a couple of Floridians to come anchor my lineup as well. And it's just like, okay, now they've got the Floridians too. This team's got the goods. This is unequivocally, we are in the center of the national championship inner circle. And Ohio State, as always, finds themselves there. Number three in our preseason rankings. By the way, they were the consensus number three. Everyone, all, all all five, all of us had them number three, and like I, I want you to know, I seriously wavered. Like I wasn't sure about it. I almost pulled a pivot and went another direction, and just wanted to zig while everyone else was zagging, or vice versa. However you want to look at it, I'm amped to watch this team compete. They're gonna have the chip on the shoulder. And here's the other thing: Kingsley's gone, Boulay's gone, Tracy's gone, Luchonic's gone. Cash is gone after this season. This is the year. Like, it's all lined up, and it sucks that there are, I'm going to say two, no disrespect to TCU, but two other once-in-a-generation type teams in terms of experience, talent, depth, et cetera. Maybe not, Virginia's not a once-in-a-generation type team on paper, but given the context of what they've accomplished these two years, you just don't have two-time defending champions bringing back five of six starters very frequently in college tennis history. Buckle the seatbelt, Chris. Again, this is the first. We're doing five minutes on the Ohio State lineup every week. That wasn't a joke. That's just like, it may not be a full five, but I've already told Westoff, build the graphic because I actually think it would be a great bit for us to do is how would you play Ohio State's lineup this week on the deciding point? We're going to be talking Buckeyes all season long. They've earned that right. Again, your preseason number three team. That said, Chris, we're down to our top two. It's the best debate in college tennis, I think, in at least half a decade. Who should be your preseason number one on the men's side this year? Will it be Texas? Will it be Virginia? You'll have to tune in next week to find out the answer to that question. Before we go, though, Chris Hallioris, any final thoughts, any things you have to plug on the college tennis ranks front, things we should know as we head down the home stretch? Uh, not, you know, the, the college tennis ranks will be coming up soon. I think my only final thought here will be, and I waited till the very end to bring it out. I know the Ohio State faithful are strong and they're all listening to this. So please, I know you all send Ty these recordings. So cut this clip and send it to him. I vow, I personally vow, if Ty sends me Ohio State gear, I will wear it personally the entire match to the match in Columbus against Michigan, where my <laughs> nephew is the coach. Ty, 
the Michigan Ohio State match. I will show up in Ohio State gear. I will wear it. I'm not saying I'm going to cheer for you, but I will absolutely wear the Ohio State gear uh, and, and be there strong. But I, this Ohio State team, is so good. It, I, you know, it, it's actually sort of a cop out because then I at least don't look like an idiot wearing Michigan gear in an Ohio State match where they're going to blast them. But nevertheless, Ty, send me that Ohio State gear, please. It's a bold ask. It's I, I love to hear it, Chris. That is the perfect way to end today's show. I will also say this. When Ohio State wins the national indoors, there will be a picture tweeted much like me, Fenty Maloney. I was in Michigan gear when they won the Big Ten Championship. I will gladly, gladly, gladly don the scarlet and gray. I will throw up my OH. I will do whatever they want. You will see a picture. Luchonic to my left. Cannon to my right, Tracy Cash, obviously invited in the photo as well, because sincerely, those are my guys. Like, we have been on this journey for five years together, Chris. It is Cannon Kingsley's fifth year. It is Justin Boulay's fifth year. It is Andrew Luchonic's 22nd year. Um, come on, I'm allowed to throw in one little jab at my boy uh, at the end of this. I love you, Andrew. It's the stupidest narrative in the world. Cannon's a winner. Justin's a winner. Andrew's a winner. Ty's a winner. Like, it's when, not if, that first NCAA title is going to come. I'm a believer. Buckeye Nation's a believer as well. OH to all of you tuning in. I know Buckeye fans are big fans of our work, Chris. We're immensely grateful for that because they're as passionate as college tennis fans as you find across the nation. So, look, if they Give seven, me that one more time, Gruskin. You want the OH? They're as passionate as fans as any out there. I, I just wanted the first two letters. Oh, OH? I-O. There it is. <laughs> Well, with that said, folks, that was a fun 72 minutes, Chris. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I hope all of you listeners did as well. Of course, a shout-out, as always, to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for for the 16th time does a f*** of an editing job day in, day out. And by the way, today more than ever in making our podcast possible. A thank you to him. A massive thank you to you as well, Chris, for joining me again. Two episodes left to go. It's our top two teams. You will be able to hear them next week. You can catch up on all of our podcasts by scrolling down in the Great Shop podcast feed or, of course, by heading to our website, CrackedRackets.com. With that said, Chris Alioris, for you, our fantastic co-host, for our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all next week. Thanks, everyone.